Welcome back to the Adams Ward podcast, where we are continuing to sit down and get to know ward members. And today we're sitting down with Sister Stephanie Jordan. And I know she's got all (laughs) kinds of stuff to share with us and we want to know it all. So, Oh, goodness. (laughs) So, Stephanie, just to get started, um, tell us some highlights of your childhood. Um, well, I, I need to tell a little bit about my parents. So Perfect. my mom's side of the family, um, her father's side is Italian and about four generations immigrant. So relatively new in the country. Um, the other side were Oklahoma farmers. So the total opposite, um, that had been in the country for a while. And then on my dad's side, only three generations back and my great grandmother was an Irish immigrant. And on the other side were English that went way back. Like they were probably in the country around the time of the revolution. So, um, uh, both my parents grew up, um, in Southern California and, um, my father's side of the family, he was raised Catholic and he attended like Catholic school full on with like the nuns and corporal punishment. (laughs) It was very strict. (laughs) And my mom didn't really have a lot of religion. Um, she always believed in God, but they didn't really go to church. Um, and when she was 15, her mother was killed in a car crash. It was just this crazy tragedy um, that really shook her up. And she was the oldest of three kids, the only daughter. And, um, and that totally changed her life and like what she thought she knew about God and the afterlife and yes. you know what, what what's going to happen next will I ever see my mom again you know and her dad really spiraled um he was very to himself he got rid of like a ton of their family pictures he kind of like he mm. took mourning to like a, another level um and my mom kind of raised her her siblings her two younger brothers and um and so she kind of just grew up really fast. She had to go get a job. She did finish high school and she put herself through college. Um, and then she had a friend that was a member of our church and was introduced to the church through him. And so she joined the church when she was in her young 20s. I think she was probably like 22 Very cool. or so. Yeah. And just all by herself. And she had family members that were completely against it. They were all like, you know, those Mormons are like evil and you know, it was like this huge thing, but she, she knew what was right. She felt really strongly that this is what she needed to do. She had been looking actively for truth. She said she'd gone to a bunch of different churches and, um, and it just rang in her heart and it was like, she'd always known kind of thing, you know, where as soon as she heard it, she knew that it was, it was true. And, um, so she went against everybody and, struck out on her own and got baptized. And then not long after that, she met my dad and he, he had also kind of had a rough situation. His parents had divorced when he was in high school and, um, he had also just kind of had to go to work and help take care of his mom. And he also finished high school. Um, but he hadn't really gone into college and they actually met working at a grocery store. Okay. So they were both working at a grocery store and he met my mom and they really hit it off, but she was adamant that she was never going to not marry in the temple. Like that was like her goal when she got in, you know, became yes. a member of the church. Yeah. And, uh, so she introduced my dad to the church and, um, he joined the church and they waited the year after his baptism and they got sealed in the LA temple. Um, again, against all the family members, yes. they were the only ones and have remained the only members of both of their sides of the family. 
Um, and then about a year later, they had me. So <laughs> I love hearing that. Yes, because so, that says a lot about, yeah, the strong background that you come from. Yeah. So like a lot of people, I when I was growing up, it was always cool to hear the stories of people with pioneer heritage and all that stuff. And I was always was a little bummed that I never had people that like, you know, hung with Brigham Young or whatever. But <laughs> my parents were the pioneers. And Definitely. so that was that was something that I kind of came to understand is is just that they were the ones blazing the trail. And so um, I was the oldest of four kids, two girls and two boys. It was me, my sister and my two younger brothers and um, my youngest sibling. I'm 10 years older than him. And uh, my my parents did the best that they could. They didn't have any help. My I told you my mom went and put herself through college and then my dad, after they got married, decided to go back to school. So they put him through school. And so things were always really tight growing up. They always made do and... And you're um, in Southern California? It, it, we started out in Southern California. I was okay. born in Arcadia, California, um, which is kind of near Pasadena. Um, so if you listen to the Beach Boys, like, the little lady from Pasadena. <laughs> like, I, I totally was raised on K-Years 101 down there. Where we always listened to the oldies. My parents loved the oldies. So um, I totally identified as a California girl, you know, <laughs> even yes. though I am not blonde and I'm not tan <laughs> and <laughs> uh, don't look like a Californian, but... Um, yeah, I was born down there and we, we lived there for a little bit while I was little. And then we moved to Orem, Utah when my dad decided to go to BYU. Okay. So I lived there for a little bit as a, as a kiddo. I started kindergarten there. I did kindergarten first grade and then he, um, graduated and we moved back to California. We lived in Glendora for a little while. Um, so I finished out most of my elementary school years down there. Um, and my life was just pretty simple. Like I said, we didn't have a lot. My parents did the best that they could. Um, we did a lot of pretending. My, I, my, I, that, that's what I remember the most about my child is that my siblings and I used to pretend a lot in the house, out of the house. Like we used our imaginations a lot. Um, pre-internet and pre-cable. Um, yes. <laughs> we didn't have cable TV. No Disney Channel for us. <laughs> so um, yeah, we, we had to get creative. But I remember like playing football in the street with the neighborhood kids until the you know street lights would come on. Or yes. um, I loved roller skating. I would roller skate and stuff like that. But yeah, things were pretty simple. And then in the middle of my fifth grade year in Glendora, I would have started middle school in sixth grade. And but in the middle of my fifth grade year, my dad changed jobs and they decided to move and buy a house that was being built up in the high desert of California, which is kind of on your way to Vegas. Okay. And um, I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, why are you doing this to me? You're ruining my life. Um, all my good friends were down in Glendora, and they were all going to get to go to middle school, but in the high desert, elementary went to sixth grade. Oh, and so I was going to have to do another again. year of elementary. I'm so upset. But, um, yeah, so uh, they moved us up there, and we stayed there through the rest of my high school and middle school career. And... Um, I mean, there were good years. My mom had had to go back to work to help support the family. She became a teacher. She started out substituting and then got, got a, a teaching credential so she could go and teach. And I was the, I was like the other mom for my siblings. Like I was the babysitter at 10 when my youngest brother was born. So, um, I guess I so just you grew up fast too. Always had it. Yeah, yeah. I was always the leader. I was always the one they were, my siblings were like, what do we do next? You know? Yes. 
having to come up with ideas of things to keep us busy and stuff. But I mean, I overall, it was a good childhood. I can't really complain too much. Perfect. And then after high school, where did life take you? Um, so I stayed there for a little bit. I, it's funny because when I was graduating from high school, I was like, I am not going to BYU. Everybody goes to BYU. (laughs) (laughs) I was adamant I was not going to do that. Um, actually when I was in high school, I think my junior year, my high school had a special grant that allowed them to build, um, this really elaborate video studio, like a television studio. And they had like the big pillar cameras and sets and, the lights, we had editing equipment for, for the day. It was pretty high tech. And so there was this, this special media class that you had to like audition and apply to get into. And so I started doing that in high school and I pretty quickly thought that like, this was what I wanted to do. Like I became like the little anchor, you know, yes. <laughs> Can you imagine like doing like the school news and they started having me be the the personality on like little spinoff shows. So we would have like, there was a local channel that was dedicated to our, our little studio. And so one of the things they had me do was host like a little entertainment show where we would preview movies and talk about them, or we'd like go on location places. And like, I remember going to the Renaissance fair and they dressed me all up and had me do you go behind the scenes. Of all this? Somewhere on VHS. I was say for your kids to watch. <laughs> on yes. VHS. I probably need to dig it up and tr- convert it to yeah. digital. But um, so I, I loved it, and I, I was, it was something I found I was kind of good at. I was able to improvise pretty well. I wasn't a huge drama kid, but I had been in a musical, and I'd, I'd had a couple of experiences acting, and I was a choir geek and stuff. So I just kind of took to it, and then I thought maybe I want to be a news anchor someday. So my first major was broadcast journalism actually okay so i was doing that at the junior college and working as like a server at a bob's big boy down there as a local restaurant chain um and i was going to the institute there um and funny enough i i was majoring my associates was in fine arts but then my major for when i wanted to get my bachelor's was in broadcast journalism but after my first year i just realized like this is this doesn't seem like a practical thing for me because all along the career I always wanted was to be a mom, which sounds cliche, but it was true. Like everything I was looking towards was kind of the same as my mom. Like I wanted to go to the temple. I wanted to have a family and I wanted to be like whatever my children needed me to be. And I, as I learned more about what it would entail to be an anchor, it would be long days, early, early mornings. Um, just a hard life. And you'd probably need to be, if you wanted to make money at it, you needed to be near a big city, um, which I didn't know if I wanted to live in a really big city and commute every day. And it just didn't look like the life that I thought I really should be doing. And so I was looking at what, what clearly figured it out before you. Yeah. Yeah. It was early on. Yeah. I wasn't when I was a senior. Um, so I did. Yeah. uh, Uh, it was about that after that first year. And I just was like, this is probably just not the way to go. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at first. And it was kind of funny because one of the things that I just, is just one of my personality traits is I just love learning things. I love, I, I feel like I'm kind of a jack of all trades, expert of none type of thing. (laughs) Like I like to try new things. I like to learn new things. And I always had a, I had a good experience in school. And so I just thought maybe I could be a teacher. Um, and when I talked to my counselor at 
at the, 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 the college, it was just a local junior college, um, they said, well, did you know that um, Brigham Young University happens to have an agreement with our college that if you get your associates, it'll count towards all your entry level, you know, first right. couple of years of credits with the exception of like American heritage or something. I'd have to take maybe two more classes and I'd be done, which apparently transferring to BYU can be very tricky with credits. Okay. I hear. Uh, and so, and they said that they had an excellent elementary ed program, that it was one of the best in the country. And that unlike in California where you basically get a four year, like liberal arts degree and then you have a fifth year that you have to do to get your actual teaching credential. I could do it all and have my teaching credential in only four years if I went to this program. Right. Okay. And that looked really good. Yes. I like the idea of it being faster and as far as universities go, it was more less expensive. And so I had to bite my tongue against all the things and I you ended up with BYU. <laughs> all the things I've been saying going, oh, just kidding. I guess I'll do it. And so that's what I did. I finished my associates in fine arts and, um, and then I transferred. Um, I was able to actually do my associates in a year and a half. I did it crazy. I was yeah. like 18, 19 credits a semester. And then I transferred in the winter of what would have been my sophomore year. And I had that semester to get my prerequisites done and apply to their L-Ed program. And then I was accepted for that following fall. Okay. So I did their L-Ed program and I just loved it. It was so fun. Then did you teach for a little bit or? I did. Okay. So I graduated and then I ended up getting a job there in Provo, in South Provo. Um, and I taught fifth grade for a year. Um, that was the, the year that I had Caleb actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess he was the next year. I got pregnant with Caleb while I was, um, was there. And then the second year I taught sixth grade, but part-time. And I had, I had him on the first day of school. Oh, so man. I had the first six weeks of school. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I had to do that. Okay. But, I had yeah. no idea that you were a teacher. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I should mention I was married in there at some point. Yeah. So tell <laughs> that, us how, how you guys met. <laughs> yep. Um, and where you met. Because I know he's yeah. from California too. Yeah. Right? Same so area. Really funny. We, um, we went to rival high schools. Okay. So I went to Victor Valley. He went to Apple Valley. Um, he was two years ahead of me though. And so we did not know each other, which is really funny because I actually knew several of his friends. Okay. And I knew his sister from girls camp, but I just, we just never crossed paths somehow. And he had, he had, um, been away cause he'd went to serve a mission and, um, I was serving as the Institute president, um, when he came back and I remember getting the phone calls cause it was up to me to, you know, fellowship new people okay. coming in. So I remember getting a phone call saying, well, there's a new return missionary and here's his name. And you know, when you see him introduce yourself and I remember him coming through one of the nights when we were having an institute and I remember shaking his hand, didn't think much of it. I was actually dating someone else okay. at the time. <laughs> um, and, but I remember thinking he was cute, but again, I was, I was kind of, I was worried about this other guy cause I was in the process of breaking that off. Unfortunately, okay. <laughs> he was more serious than I was. And, uh, so I, I, uh, this was around October. Um, so they were going to have a Halloween dance, like a youth or not, sorry, a young single adults regional dance. So a big one, right. uh, down in the Valley. And, uh, I broke it off with this other guy and I was super bummed and kind of, cause I felt really bad. And, and I was like, I need to just get myself out of the house and, 
So I forced myself to throw together a costume, which um, was literally like a white flat sheet that I kind of sewed into a dress. I had really long hair, so I made two buns and I found a squirt gun blaster and I went as Princess <laughs> Leia. Cute. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm a Star Wars nerd. Um, and, and so I met a bunch of the Institute people at the, the Institute building so we could all car- carpool and car- caravan down to this dance. And I remember that Jake was there and he brought a girl with him. And I remember thinking, oh, well, that's interesting. I found out later that was his cousin who was visiting. <laughs> but um, we all went down to the dance and I was kind of with my group and he was with his cousin. And then partway through the dance, I realized he's all by himself. She's ditched him. She was really cute. So I'm, I'm <laughs> sure she got asked to dance right out the gate. And uh, bless his heart, he's just, you know, kind of out there. And I'm like, oh, we need to ask him to come hang out yeah. with us, you know. So I went over and reintroduced myself and brought him over to our group. And I kept thinking, when's he going to ask me to dance? Because there were all these slow dances would go by and he wouldn't ask me. And, um, and finally, on the last dance, he asked me to dance. Finally. And, <laughs> and he's, he's super shy. I think he was very guns, like, gun shy and girl scared after having just come home from right. his mission. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know how to talk to girls and he was like shaking and just, it was adorable. But, um, yeah. So that was like kind of our first time really meeting each other. And I remember thinking, you know, he seemed really cute and sweet and we actually had mutual friends. So I, one of my good girlfriends and one of his good guy friends were dating each other. Okay. And I talked to her not knowing that she would talk to him and that he was talking to Like there's this uh, whole like web yes. going on and they ended up setting up. And um, we didn't get married for some time actually after that because that was, we met while I was still in the high desert, you know, but I was transferring to BYU. And so that was the thing is that by the time I met him, I was like, well, this has been fun, but I'm, I'm leaving in a couple of months. So, yes. um, I, and actually this is at the point where I had one of my really spiritual experiences that like, I knew that I was going to marry him, but it just wasn't yet. I, cause I mentioned about breaking up with this other guy just before. And so I was not super keen to Jump start pursuing in. something new, especially knowing I was going to leave and. Um, but I really liked him. We, we finally ended up going on a date and stuff. And so I, I kind of just got to a space where I was like, I either need to know if I need to just leave this here and let him go or pursue it somehow. And so I, I remember being in my room and, and praying and just asking Heavenly Father going, look, I, I kind of need to know. I know it's a little early. <laughs> We've really only gone on like a date. But I really, I can see that I really like this person and I can see that this could go somewhere, um, but I've got my life to live. So I need to know if I should pursue this or not. And I just remember being just having one of those total head to toe warmth experiences where I knew for sure. I was like, this is okay. Somehow it will be okay. I don't know how it's going to work out or if it will, but it's okay for me to let this happen. And so at that point um, I did tell him, I was like, this is great. I, I think this is fun, but I'm leaving. And so I'm moving to Provo and this is what's going to happen. And so we did date for those few months. That was in October. We dated till December and then I left and, uh, and he ended up moving to Salt Lake and moving in with his brother, probably February or March. Um, 
and he can tell you the story about how that works. But um, so we kind of did a long distance thing for a while. I didn't even have a car. So, um, you know, he would drive down and see me occasionally. We did a lot of snail mail. We would make little audio tapes and Cute. send them to each other. Um, but yeah, we, we dated long distance for a while and then he moved to Provo eventually. Um, he was at what used to be UBSC um, until he got accepted to BYU and we dated a little bit more locally. But when it was all said and done, by the time we got engaged and then we were married, we'd probably been together for about a year and a half. Okay. Almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we knew each other really well. And um, like I said, I kind of already knew. I didn't have to re-ask <laughs> to know if he was the one. I kind of already knew and was just waiting for him to figure that out. And, um, and then it did. And we were married in the San Diego Temple in 2000. Okay. So... Which makes it easy because whatever year it is is how many years we've been married. So yeah, <laughs> makes, makes it handy. I don't have to do any math. <laughs> sure, yeah. okay. And then, uh, like I said, I graduated college at that point. I still had about a year of college left when we got married, and so I finished. And then I was I was the breadwinner. Yeah, started um, teaching. Yep, I started teaching. He was still going to to school, and and then that was when we started our family too with Caleb because I was the one with the insurance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah. three boys. Yeah, we have three sons. Yeah, uh, our oldest, Caleb, is currently serving a mission in the Massachusetts Boston area, and he's been out about nine months. And then um, Brendan is a junior at CV, and Riley is a sixth grader at Evergreen. So my three sons. Yeah. <laughs> so did you stay in Utah for a while after you guys got married? Did you raise your family in Utah? No. Or where did you guys? Uh, so Caleb was born there. Um, but then Jacob, he graduated, um, I think a couple of years after me. Yeah. Cause I taught for those two years. Um, and then we've been moving ever since pretty much. He, uh, so I had to make, make a gamble on him cause he did not know what he wanted to do with his life at that point. Um, <laughs> I was not sure how he was going to be the breadwinner. He didn't really have a solid major. Um, he, he at some point he decided he, liked the idea of medicine, but uh, BYU didn't really have much of a pre-med program at the time, and it was already his senior year. He hadn't done any prereqs. Like, you know, it was kind of up in the air. He ended up um, deciding, well, we, we prayed about it, and he decided he was going to join the Air Force, and that maybe the Air Force would help him in getting into medical school. So he finished BYU, joined the Air Force, um, and we, we moved um, Caleb and I moved to California while he did basic training. Um, we lived with his parents that are now in our ward, Tom and Louise, and uh, he did basic training and then clinic, like all these other trainings for probably six to nine months, he, we were separated while he was in Texas. Wow. Yeah. So he was in Texas, we were in California, um, and then he got his assignment and that sent us overseas, which I could have never foreseen. I, I was thinking, I was trying to prep my mom going, okay, you know, cause I was the only one with grandkids yes. being the oldest. I was the first one to get married. First one to have kids. The only one with this grandbaby. And I'm thinking the furthest we'll go is like Virginia or something. Like it just never dawned on me that they would send us foreign, but his assignment was to England. And wow. so I had to break the news wow, to my mom yes. at Christmas, let alone, and say, guess what? We're moving to the other side of the planet. And it didn't go over well. But we uh, we ended up spending three and a half years out there. Wow. And that's where we had Brendan. Okay. So Brendan's our British American. <laughs> he wears it proudly. 
Um, and that was a, that was a really cool, that's my mission. I, I consider being in England, like my mission since I didn't serve a full-time mission. Yeah. Cause we both got to serve quite a lot out in our little ward there in Cambridge. And, uh, and we, after he got out of the air force, he did his four years. We were in Oregon for a while doing his pre-med stuff. And we were in Nevada for a while doing medical school. And then we were in Ohio for a while doing residency. And then we finally got to pick a place to be our forever place. And that was here. And that was here. And so, and this is the longest we've ever been anywhere. We've been here almost six years, which sounds so long to me. But then I talked to others that have been here for like 20 plus and it's still a drop in the bucket. But up until now, the longest we'd been anywhere was those four years of medical school. Wow. So we've moved a lot. Yeah. Riley was born while we were in So how'd you choose right here? Funny. um, So those that know me know I'm kind of... uh, an organizer. <laughs> I like charts. <laughs> mm-hmm. We made a spreadsheet of all of the things that we were hoping for in like our forever home. And having lived all around, we we lived you in the desert. Idea of we it, knew yeah. it wasn't going to be desert. We yeah. didn't want desert. We wanted four seasons. So that was something. We we lived in places where the temple was two plus hours away, and you were lucky to go a couple times a year with kids. We knew we wanted to be close to a temple. Um, we knew we wanted to be a place where there were saints, to be honest, so that our kids could have um, good influences around them, hopefully. And um, we liked the idea of being near a town that was small enough to feel like a hometown, but big enough to have fun things to do. You know, yeah. you can go to the symphony, you can go to a ball game, you know all that kind of stuff. And Spokane just checked all the boxes. It's funny because we had no family here. We didn't have any friends here. We didn't know anyone that was living here. His parents, um, his mom's sister had lived here in Veradale while they were stationed at Fairchild many, many years ago. He was in, her husband was in the Air Force. And they always raved about their time in Spokane and how wonderful it was. And so I think that might've hung in the back of our heads a little bit. Um, But yeah, we just picked it because of all the wonderful right. things and it ticked all the boxes. Oh so, yes. yeah. Perfect. Let's see it. So you mentioned one turning point in your life, just when you got that, you know, knew that Jacob was who you were meant to be with. Are there yeah. any other turning points that you um, stuck out to you? Well, when I was thinking about as far as my, um, my testimony goes and kind of the, cause I feel like so much of my life is the gospel, right? I mean, it's just, part of my identity. And when I was, uh, so when I was 10 and my mom had my youngest brother, my dad worked really crazy hours. He was always sleeping during the day and working at night and he was not really around a lot. So she, she was single momming it a lot. And I think it was just too much for her finally having a new baby, four kids all together and trying to get us all to church. And so I remember for that month or so, and she had also had a cesarean with him. Okay. So that was rough. And she doesn't have a mom. She doesn't have a sister. She's always on her own. So um, anyway, I remember us not going to church um, at first because she just couldn't handle taking everybody and doing all the things and new baby. And I had some really sweet primary teachers. It was a married couple, elderly couple. And I remember them coming to me and saying, you know, we would love for you to still be able to come and go to primary. Would you want us to come and pick you up? And I remember that being kind of like an aha moment, like, oh, I don't, I can go to church on my own if I want to. Um, I don't have to rely on someone else 
to get to church or I don't have to rely on someone. Now, I guess it was kind of just one of those things where I realized like it is up to me. It's up to me and I can make that choice to still be active, even if my family chose not to, for whatever reason. I mean, right. I'm not blaming right. you, but, um, and so I did. I remember going to, to church with this couple for several weeks and going to primary all by myself and um, kind of feeling that empowerment of knowing like it's up to me, like, and my testimony is up to me. Whether I read the scriptures is up to me or pray is up to me. My, my parents did the best they could and both being converts, I know, uh, you know, there were some things that were lacking. We weren't super great about, you know, we didn't, I, I didn't, when I was growing up, I don't think we ever had family scripture study. We did not do family home evening. We did say family prayers and we did have family dinners and had prayer and we did go to church, but, um, but we could have done better. And so I just started to realize that I could do better if I wanted to, you know okay. what I mean? It was just kind mm -hmm. of one of those realizations. And so as I became a young woman, um, started going to young women and I received callings in young women. I just continued to have that mindset of it's up to me and I can choose this. And I wanted to, I, I, I felt like it was a, a part of my life that I wanted to continue to nurture. And later on, as I became a young single adult, I remember going to conference. Cause I mean, we never went to conference yeah. growing up. It was kind of like a free weekend. <laughs> we were like, we get to stay home. Cause this was before you could watch it at home. You had to go yes, to the yeah. church and watch it on the broadcast. And it wasn't as convenient as chilling in your jammies, you know, and it was just sometimes too much for my mom. But, um, I was like, I'm going to get myself up and I'm going to go to all six <laughs> sessions and I'm going to, you know, and I did. That's and amazing. I, and yeah. I, but I loved it. And I loved how I felt when I was there. Um, and it was with the young women that I remember we took a trip to Salt Lake and we stood in line and we went and watched conference in the tabernacle back when I think it was President Hinckley was the prophet. And that was my first time, you know, being in the presence of a prophet and seeing these people that I'd heard so much about. I'd seen pictures yeah. of them, you know, in primary and, and it just touched my heart. And I just knew this is what I wanted to, to focus my life around. That's beautiful. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so how did, so that's pretty much anything to add to how you gained your testimony. I think that's kind of, so it started with a primary teacher. Yeah. It's, it started Isn't with primary that teachers. That, that, and your parents. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, I give them. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I have to say, I remember my mom telling me her conversion story and just, I remember being impressed. That have your she, siblings stayed in the church as well? They have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My brothers were the first ones to serve missions yeah. for our, our family on both sides. Both of them served. One was in Panama and one was in Fiji. Wow. And then I was the first of this generation to get married in the temple and each one of them have over the years. And um, so we're, I guess we're the legacy and it, it has helped me because of our family situation. It's, it made me be interested in family history work. We yes, had, we had our a lot people. To do. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when I went to BYU, that was one of the classes I took for my religion class was, you know, family history 101 because this was back before you could do it at home, right? Yes, you yeah. had to like look through microfiche and you had to, you know, go through. There was a program called PATH and you had to like put it all in here and then it had to go from this program to Temple Ready. Like it was this whole process. And I got to do my own grandparents and great grandparents. People that I knew, yes, you know, people that I grew up with. Both, both of my mom's parents were dead by the time I was a teenager, and my 
Um, my dad's parents were both dead before I had Caleb. So I, I had all my grandparents passed away by the time I was learning these things. Yeah. So I was able to do all of their work with my parents. We all went to the Provo Temple and baptized for all of them with my siblings. And it was really special. I, yeah, I imagine that's an incredible experience. Yeah. Perfect. So what, is, what have you done to keep nurturing your testimony as you've grown and raised a family? And um, Well, I think having, having the need to instill it in my children has made me have to represent, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yes. yeah. kids, kids see hypocrisy, you know, <laughs> in everything, you know, if do as I say, not as I do, just does not cut it. Yeah. And, um, and so it's always had, it's made me have to step it up because if I want to be teaching them things, I have to be representing those things. If I'm trying to teach them to, you know, the importance of going to church, it has to be what, what I put as a priority. Right. You know, um, so definitely having children and wanting that for them has, has of course encouraged me to step it up. And I think having opportunities to serve in callings has also made me have to step it up. It's interesting how sometimes we just need that extra push. Yes. You know, um, and having been in a situation where I've been a military wife and I've been a doctor widow, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, I've had to do a lot for myself sometimes and taking care of the, the boys by myself. And sometimes I thought, I thought, man, they're thinking they're going to give me a calling. I, <laughs> that's craziness. That's crazy town. Like, why would they give me a calling? I'm busy. We're all, you know, there's so much on my plate. Um, but I've, every time I've accepted callings, even when it was inconvenient, I found strength and blessings that I wasn't expecting um, that have strengthened my testimony through the people that I've served with, um, who have served me back. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I have seen the Lord's hand in the work that I can't deny. And that strengthens my testimony. I love it. Well, what, what does being a follower of Christ mean to you? Um, when I think of following Christ, I, I think of, truly loving him because when I, when I love a person, it's easy to want to be with them. It's easy to want to do what they're doing. It's, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like work to serve them. And that's how I feel about the savior. Um, sometimes, you know, there's a lot that's asked of us to follow him in following him. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) It is a lifestyle really. Um, he's asking us to change and be something different. But if I am building that relationship with him and truly loving him, then it becomes easy and beautiful. And we're in it together. Like I, I'm following him, but he's really holding me up as I go. And, um, and it's a beautiful thing. I love to see his hand in, in the work. Like I said, I see it all the time. I've kind of gotten obsessed with seeing tender mercies and just how some things just fall together too perfectly, too perfectly I agree. Yes, yeah. to be an accident. It's just not possible. It's, it's his little nods to us to say, I see you. And I, I see him see me and I love him for it. Thank you. 
Well, thank you, Stephanie, once again for sharing your story with us.